So this is part five of our Age of Rage series. And actually, it's happening today on World Mental Health Day. So I thought it would seem appropriate to uh, have my friend and uh, psychologist Jerry Fitch come and join us today to talk about uh, anger from maybe a slightly different angle. Uh, but first, Jerry, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, David. And um, like it is Thanksgiving, but it's, it's probably one of the more unique Thanksgivings and unique falls actually for us this year. You know, often at this time of year, we're, uh, you know, we're having fun with family and friends and looking for what parties we're going to and, uh, you know, a bit of fun, a bit of fellowship, but a little different this year, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it often is a time of anticipating and expecting uh, good things to happen, but it's always a time that triggers remembering new and old losses, adjusting to inevitable changes and adapting to relationship shifts. Um, this kind of coming together for a holiday like this brings expected and unexpected stress. And with stress brings the potential for anger to be present. Our own anger as well as others' anger that we connect to and we care about. And anger between those we're connected to is easily misunderstood and not a topic people want to gauge in addressing. And, and it's almost like we're all kind of aware of the fact that whenever there's a big family gathering, there's the potential for mm -hmm. some sort of anger, but uh, we don't really often know what to do with it. And, and that kind of leads me into what I want to talk to you, with you about today. What we've often done throughout this series is we've thought about sort of political and economic and cultural and, and, and these types of anger. But, but I want to move to discuss today some of the challenges with anger, well, in our own personal lives, perhaps with a friend or, or a close family member or, or even a colleague, perhaps. So, so Jerry, we, like, we know that anger isn't as simple as, as many of the stereotypes, just slamming doors or an intimidating conversation or, or piece of communication somewhere. Um, but having you with us as, as a professional psychologist, I suppose the question I, I want to begin with today is, could you give us some important facts that would help us understand anger a little bit? Sure. Well, anger is a multifaceted uh, emotion. It can be found in any temperament, whether you're shy or whether you're extroverted. Um, and expressions of anger can be not just those obvious ones, but frustration, irritability, annoyance, fretting, fear, self-pity. All of those kinds of reactions are tied to anger. And then anger is something that often overrides reason when it shows up. And it can frequently lead to terrible decisions, which can hurt ourselves when we're angry and others who are witnessing it. But the thing about anger is it is rather purposeful. It is a form of power. And it can be used to pursue or provoke or shame or blame or subdue others in order to be right or to win or to get what is perceived as entitled or fair or at times for self-protection. I think the thing to remember about the emotion of anger is anger begets anger. It's catchy, whether you're the person that introduces it or you're the person that's responding to it. And, and so thinking about that, I think many of us uh, perhaps would relate to being taught or we've been led to believe or perhaps even we just assume that the sort of that feeling angry or expressing your anger 
isn't a healthy thing. And, and within Christian circles, even it's, it's sort of categorized, it's, it's sinful and therefore should be suppressed or at very least uh, ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, could, you, could you sort of unpack for us or perhaps give us some insight into what, really what is unhealthy anger? Well, there are at least three clinical types of unhealthy anger. But the most common that we are uh, familiar with are aggressive anger and passive-aggressive anger. Aggressive anger expresses itself in explosiveness, in rage, intimidation, and blame. But it can also include things like bickering, criticism, griping, and sarcasm. Aggressive anger is actually aimed at meeting personal needs and therefore tends to show insensitivity to the needs of others. And, and I mean, that, that's really interesting because I'm, I'm sure there's, there's more than a few of us who will hear something like and recognize some of those things as anger, but probably, you know, there's a couple of things you just mentioned there that we'd go, oh, oh that's, that's anger too. But so, <laughs> so that's aggressive anger, but could you give us some examples of how somebody might encounter passive-aggressive anger? Well, before I do that, let me talk about the idea of aggression when it comes to the emotion of anger. Mm. We, re- we recognize that aggression levels increase as voice level rises mm. and as physical distance decreases. So expresses, expressions of aggressive anger might be, you'd say, fine then, have it your own way. Okay. Or, I am so done. Right. Or, I'm fed up with you. Or, how about this one? I quit. Or, you're just like your mother or your father mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or just some that get really intense, like I just can't stand the sight of you. Or sarcasm. Really? That's how you're going to play this? Mm-hmm. Or the obvious, which is swearing. Right, okay. So then there is passive-aggressive anger, and those behaviors and phrases are just as damaging to relationship, but kind of seem more acceptable. Mm -hmm. The difference is they're aimed at preserving your personal wealth, sorry, worth, and needs and convictions, but they're accomplished by having control and maintaining personal safety with the least amount of personal vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it uses subtle sabotage tactics but either way, it perpetuates unwanted present and future tensions. So they both lead, both lead to the same mm-hmm. outcome. And, and so perhaps, you know, what would be some examples then of that sort of uh, passive-aggressive thing in, in real-life situations? Sure. And one of my favorites that I tend to use, when someone asks me if I'm frustrated, because I'm a fairly uh, expressive person in mm-hmm. my my, not only my voice, but my, my nonverbals, mm-hmm. I'll lie and say, no, everything's just fine. Right, okay. Sulking and pouting are other examples. Right, but okay. here's some, procrastination when you don't want to do something or approaching projects or tasks kind of half-heartedly or sarcasm. Mm-hmm. But here's another one, complaining about others behind their backs. Right. And, and like for me, Jerry, this is fascinating because... Again, you're, you're listing through these things, and, and I recognize these things, and, and in one sense, you know, I recognize myself doing all of those things, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I ever categorize them as 
anger. You know, I would categorize them perhaps as something else, but, mm -hmm. but really interesting to see, okay, yeah, this is actually perhaps how anger is, uh, you know, working its way out in me. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you and I have talked a lot, you know, behind the scenes and, and, and in lead up to many conversations that you and I have had. And, and I think we're on the same page when it comes to the fact that we, we acknowledge that uh, anger is, well, it's a God-given human emotion. And we see examples of it in Jesus's life and teachings and in his behaviors. But you know, when people experience anger in relationships, you know, with themselves and others, like, what do they need to, ask this question, what do they need to know to understand and manage their response to anger? Yeah, okay. So an important thing to recognize about that emotion that is part of who we are is that anger is an instinctive arousal pushed fight or flight response to threat or frustration, either of you or of others' goals and desires. Mm -hmm. This is how we were designed by God to actually help us survive. But when it comes to anger, we do have the human capacity for choice and control when we experience it, as opposed to people say, I don't know what happened. It just, you know, just came over me and there was nothing I could do, which is interesting, but we do have choice mm -hmm. and we do have the ability to control it, when all it the shows time, up. you think? So we always have that choice? Yep. Right, okay. Wow. How we recognize and manage anger well is connected to deliberately learning our personal boundaries, to training ourselves. When we train ourselves, that actually trains people who are with us who have difficulty. We have to train our internal self talk and we have to manage and master impulse control. We have to learn to regulate emotion. So while anger impulse control is typically modeled and learned when we're young, it does continue to be uh, something that has to be practiced and relearned through our entire relationship lives. So when people sometimes say, well, I'm not angry, you know, when I'm with my friends or my boss, but when I'm at home, man, I just, I don't know what happens. I, it, just, it just gets the better of me. So certain situations are going to push it mm -hmm. differently than others. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I, I pushed you a little bit on that question back there because that, I almost wanted to hear that again, that sense of, you know, you, you always have this choice because, you know, so many of us, are, our, our engagement with notions of anger, w there is a point where we feel like once that point's crossed, Mm -hmm. It's just it's like a inevitable. roller coaster. You yeah. know, you go over the top and now this yeah. is just what happens and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Right. Um, and and so, so if anger is an inevitable human emotional response to our own or others' aggressive or, or passive-aggressive pursuits, like how do we respond in a healthy way in, in that sort of situation? Or, or perhaps a different way to ask the question, how do we show mercy in the face of escalating intensity, uh, you know, emotional pursuit or, or even deliberate anger? Mm -hmm. Well, in the time we have, it's a longer teaching than, than we can do, but it does involve learning and then expressing assertive anger responses. Mm -hmm. Note I said assertive, not aggressive or passive aggressive. Okay. Um, and now I'm interested in that based on our teaching in the last video where we yeah. were thinking about how do we not be violent yeah. or passive. But yeah. So I love that word assertive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the assertiveness has to be relevant to the anger situation that you're in. Of course. <laughs> and it has to be aimed at preserving your personal worth and your needs and your convictions. Mm. 
while also considering the needs and feelings of others. So the goal in expressing assertive anger is not to win. And it's not about being right. Mm -hmm. It's actually to help relationships grow with personal maturity and to create stability mm -hmm. so that the relationship continues. And it's, a, it's learned through understanding and setting personal boundaries, mm -hmm. learning how to decide, well, what is my yes or my no response to when others are making demands on me? Mm -hmm. And then it's about role playing how to express them and deflect and exit if the people that are getting very angry and escalating things mm -hmm. continue to pursue their agendas. Mm -hmm. So an operative word here is pursuit. And when you're being constantly pursued and the other person has a stronger will than you do, mm -hmm. you have to know how you're going to respond, yes. especially if you don't know what your yes and no is in the moment. Yes. And this, this is really interesting for me, Jerry, because of like, like earlier on in this series, uh, one of the things that I found really fascinating as I was researching for this series is this notion of anger as often being something triggered by boundary crossing. Like I have mm -hmm. a perceived boundary and mm -hmm. you cross it. And this is really helpful advice because wh what you're saying is, okay, well, if I'm understanding you correctly, that boundary is gonna be crossed. Somebody's mm -hmm. gonna pursue crossing that boundary. And so, so it's one thing to say, here's my boundary and as long as you don't cross it, I won't get mad. Mm -hmm. But likely in an interpersonal relationship, somebody's gonna push over that someday. And now I need a strategy yeah. uh, to, to what happens if and when, if, I, if I'm understanding you, um, you know, mm -hmm. correctly in that. Mm -hmm. And then so I, I then, with that kind of question about strategy in mind, I, I, I kind of want to just reverse back to the first teaching in this series when we talked about this like fascinating scene from John chapter 8. Uh, so in, in chapter 8 and verse 1 to 11, uh, and, and, you know, People can go back and, and listen to part one of the series if they want, but you, you have this story where Jesus is, uh, is, is involved in a teaching moment, uh, and, and while involved in this teaching moment, uh, some you know, teachers of the law and some Pharisees, they bring this woman that the text tells us has been caught in the act of adultery, and they, they drag this woman before Jesus, and essentially they confront Jesus about, like, what do you think we should do in this sort of situation? And John tells us, like, the whole scene is a setup. <laughs> like, they, didn't, mm -hmm. you know, they, they just want to trap Jesus. They want Jesus to basically either go against Moses' law or go against Roman law. And either way, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they win because G they can go, well, you, you can't break the Roman law, they're in charge, or you can't break Moses' law, you're supposed to be a Jewish teacher. And they think they've got Jesus brilliantly uh, trapped. Uh, and we learn, once again, it's probably never a great idea to attempt to out-argue Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's this moment where Jesus, instead of reacting, he starts writing in the ground, and, but just makes this comment to everybody, well, if you don't have any sin, you can throw the first stone uh, and begin the execution of this woman. And, and you know, the story ends, everybody like, slowly drifts away. Um, and uh, in talking to you after we did that, after I did that teaching at part one, I felt that you had some really important sort of additional insights that, that you see Jesus and how he responds to this very tense and anger-filled situation um, that I think you think is quite key in how we then go about responding to him. So Jesus becomes, not unsurprisingly, again, a model for us to navigate sort of our relationship. So I, I wondered if you might want to elaborate back on that story for me for a moment. Sure, I, I, I do love this story because it's a powerful role model um, that it, 
that, that shows multiple expressions of anger going on at many levels from different characters. And it also evokes in me anger, just like you talked about. Mm. Uh, where's the guilty guy who was yes. also involved <laughs> in this woman's behavior? But yeah. that's another story for another time. Yes. But what Jesus did at this point is he actually takes a time out. And there are lots of ways to manage anger in terms of role playing, anticipating, knowing your boundaries. But when you don't know, when it catches you by surprise or mm. when it's the same old, same old, a tried and true response is a timeout. Mm. And you use a timeout to think and formulate your response because you don't always know. Mm. And sometimes it's evolving even as you're there. Mm -hmm. So Jesus uses this tactic brilliantly to de-escalate the angry mob. He protected the safety of the adulteress. Mm -hmm. He preserved his own convictions and he modeled and invited relationship maturity and created stability, mm -hmm. all within the context of what was going on that mm -hmm. he couldn't prepare for. Yes. Yeah. I imagine that he did this in the timeout by slowing down, breathing, looking down and writing on the ground, mm -hmm. not being intimidated by not watching others' nonverbal taunting that must have been mm -hmm. going on, and taking whatever time he felt was realistic mm. to formulate his response. Then he waits. Then he gives an assertive statement. Whoever of you has, is without sin cast the first stone. Mm. And he does it in the way of an, a reflective invitation, not mm. a pursuit, not sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Then he waits some more. That must have been phenomenal. We read it so fast, but I wonder how yeah. long it took for just this silence of people to yeah. have to respond and then to actually exit. It must have been pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, yes, I mean, so I'm, I'm with you. The, the scene is like this. It's, it's a phenomenal story in so many levels. And one of the things that I have always loved about scripture is that you can... You can take a story, and I can give that story to you know, uh, you know, an expert in Jewish law, and they will go, "This is really clever the way that Jesus navigates this." And I can give it to a contextual historian, and he'll point out all of the errors that are going on in the scene and how they're really setting Jesus up. Mm -hmm. But I, one of the things I love about the Bible is then you can also go, "Hey, here, let me give this text to a psychologist. What do you see here?" Yeah. And you know, yeah. and you don't come back to me and go, "Interesting the engagement with Jewish law, or interesting how what was going on in Rome at the time was that you weren't allowed to stone somebody in the street." Mm -hmm. What you do is you go, "Wow, Jesus is taking a time out. Like he's mm -hmm. doing something that you know in your clinic sessions you're recommending people do on a, on a regular yeah. basis." And you're now seeing, "Wow, look, Jesus is is sort of putting this into play." And so ultimately, what he ends up with. Is, is a strategy that's powerful for managing his own anger. But what I think is interesting, if, if I hear you correctly again in this, is that not only is he managing then his own anger, but he's managing the anger of those who were the bystanders and also with this, uh, people, this group of people who are confronting him. And then. pursuing. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... The idea of Jesus waiting forced his accusers to have to take a timeout as well mm -hmm. as him. Yes, so, so everybody's on a timeout in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a strong strategic example of an assertive, effective response to being pursued by anger, mm -hmm. either in yourself, 
as you're reacting to someone pursuing mm. you or the others. But it definitely requires self-control mm -hmm. and courage and not going too quickly. Yes. So mm. essentially, in asserting and taking a time out, so we'll take it away from Jesus here, but just say, what are you really trying to do in a time out is using some humility and control and courage mm. and basically saying, look, for whatever reason, right or wrong, uh, I'm about to lose it. If I stay here and keep this up with you, I'm liable to do or say something stupid or mean that I know I'm gonna regret. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I'm taking a break to get a grip on myself and calm down. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna check back in with you responsibly. Now that's not always what's said, but that's the idea of what it mm -hmm. is you're trying to do by stepping away. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some basic timeout steps that need to be followed depending on if you're the person that calls it yes. or if someone calls it on you. And then we can use lots of sports analogies where that's built in yes. to not allowing things to get out of control mm -hmm. um, in, in, in sports events. The thing that happens within anger is when I call a timeout in however the finessed way I do it, I have to be able to avoid the other person or people feeling abandoned. Because when they experience that at times, it escalates their pursuit to continue because they don't want to be left or abandoned. That creates more anxiety, therefore more anger. So the rule is typically the person who calls the timeout sets the expectation and the time to re-engage and takes the responsibility to initiate the follow through. And this is where I think people who take timeouts mm. don't do it well in the end because it right. just is seen as, well, maybe I'll come back and chat with you and maybe I won't. Right, okay. So do you mind if I just, mm -hmm. so let, let me put that into, so you and me are having an argument, okay? Yeah. And um, I can feel, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it in a minute. So, so what, if I put it into a real life com context, what you're looking is for me to say, okay, listen, uh, we need to take a timeout here because I'm, I think I'm going to lose the plot in just a minute. So can we take an hour <laughs> and, and, then, and then let's pick this back up again? Or can we take a day or can we take five minutes? But then you're saying it would be my responsibility to then come back and go, okay, the hour has gone. I, I'm feeling like I'm a little bit more in control. Let's pick this back up again. Would that be a, an, an articulation of what you're getting at? Absolutely. Hmm. The, the fly in the ointment here is if... if you're not angry, but I am, and I'm not controlling what's mm -hmm. going on with the pursuit, is you get to call a timeout, but you don't do it in such a way that says, look, you're really angry, we have to stop this right now. You, you just simply create uh, an assertive response, which is, right. um, I need to take a break. Okay. And actually, I wouldn't even ask, if, if somebody is being aggressive and pursuing to you, I wouldn't say, can we take a timeout? I'd say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to take a break here, and you are asserting it, not asking for it, if the other person is escalating and angry. Right, okay. wow. um, and the other thing is, it's not your responsibility to help the other person calm down, hmm. only to help calm yourself in response to it so that you can begin to think clearly about what you want to do next. Hmm. And the time that you take allows you to pray, to repent of your own pride that might mm -hmm. now be in play mm -hmm. accidentally or on purpose when you start to recognize it. Yes. So the slowing down helps you to think about what's my part in this? Mm -hmm. And then during your time out, 
you formulate three clear messages that you want to know about yourself and then relay to the other person. And it's an I message. So I think, I feel, I want. Mm -hmm. And in your time out, you role play and practice how you're going to say that to the other people. And, and so these three, so these three things are going to help me connect better with why it is that either I'm about to lose the plot mm -hmm. or, or how I'm feeling in reaction to, to you becoming mm -hmm. angry with me. Or and like. what I need. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What I need in response to it. So sense. when the anger has subsided, assuming it has, mm -hmm. and if it hasn't, you take another time out. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, what you're you're doing is you're remembering and reframing what also might be part of or triggering the bigger anger story that you might be in. Mm -hmm. So in a family, when you're sitting in, a, in an event and there's all sorts of past triggers that are mm -hmm. now kind of playing into this, mm -hmm. you kind of want to remember, how did this go down last time? What else might be going on here? So what's mm -hmm. my role in diffusing that or in inviting a, a, a break? Yeah. Other times you have to forgive yourself and the other for your part in the conflict. So sometimes coming back is saying something like, I'm sorry we were fighting. I'm sorry that anger got in the way of our conversation. Mm -hmm. You're not admitting to right or wrong. You're just acknowledging that anger was a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that we were fighting. Um, you, you then want to resolve to move towards with a heart to repair, not a heart to win, not a, a yes. heart to be more logical or to manipulate or to talk someone into something. Mm -hmm. So the idea is plan to listen to the other person's response. Mm -hmm. And then when they've responded, you just simply summarize or clarify what you heard them say, mm -hmm. not go back to, and here's my argument. Yes. It's here's what I heard you say. And again, I'm kind of hearing, and something that I've wondered about quite regularly when it comes to sort of issues of anger is that there's there's almost <laughs> let me think of a really bad way to say this but almost there's a way of being right but wrong you know mm -hmm. and, and it strikes me that in a lot of anger conversations once anger takes over it actually almost seems to become irrelevant whether mm -hmm. i'm right and you're wrong or you're right and i'm wrong mm -hmm. and, and you even see that in the situation with jesus like mm -hmm. the anger is driving this whole story so much that really the the, the woman and hear me correctly when I say this, almost becomes irrelevant to the story. The fact mm -hmm. that they've caught her doing something they think is wrong yep. almost doesn't matter anymore. It's, it, rage has just taken over and people are holding rocks and, yep. uh, and everything like that. So, so I, I really like the way you phrase that. But about there are people who, who part of how they deal with anger is if I can just let, get you to hear me out, mm -hmm. you'll agree with me and I'll win and it'll all be fine because yes. it's really quite logical from yes. the way I see it. Yes. But they don't know actually the other pieces that are going on in mm -hmm. the interaction and the yeah. escalation and the pursuit that really aren't about logic and winning. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but I just, I, I, and I found that, though, that sense of, you know, that pursuit of, well, you know, if I just really get mad, you'll realize that I'm right. Well, maybe you are right, and by the end, I'll admit, oh, yeah, you are right. I still, the apology is still necessary because yeah. the way that we went about doing that yep. was harmful. I, I think that. Yep. It, it, you know, and I think when you try to think about how you want to use a timeout to protect yourself or give yourself a mm -hmm. chance to figure out what going, what's going on, is always be prepared that the other person who is still angry or frustrated is going to throw a verbal, verbal grenade at you as right, you're okay. trying to leave. Yes. And yeah. the idea is 
don't respond. Mm -hmm. Keep moving towards the goal that you've already set versus, yeah. you know, getting pursued again and then getting caught in the same cycle. Yes. So you actually have to exit. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, that to me just, is, it, I mean, just really, really helpful uh, advice across the board in that sense. And I, I love, and this is why I still wanted to have this conversation with mm -hmm. you where, where, you know, you, you hear my sermon at the start of this teaching series and, you know, and then you're like, hey, there's some other stuff that I'd love to add to that. And I think mm -hmm. we, we could build on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I'm really grateful for is the strategy that you've you've kind of laid out for us today and i'd encourage you know anyone engaging with the conversation to think about re-listening to this because there's mm -hmm. a kind of step by step in one sense rooted in what we see jesus doing but actually eminently practical in, in our in our day-to-day -day lives that that mm -hmm. we we don't need to think of our anger as the kind of top arc of the roller coaster that then it goes and hey we're, we're all in this uh mm -hmm. you know my uh my, my daughter uh, and uh, we took her to Disneyland for the first time last year and there was a moment when she was at the top at one of the roller coasters that she decided, yeah, this was a bad plan. <laughs> and, uh, but, it, but it's too late now at that yeah. point. And uh, now she's braver than me because it was just her and mom that were on it. I was, I yeah, was in, I totally I was in Starbucks somewhere, too. you know. Yeah. But, but, but I love what you're saying is almost both rooted in Jesus but then in, in your professional practice as psychologist that there is a way to change the paradigm of how we think about anger uh, and that, that is something that you can choose and, and by even something, and, and I mean this complimentary, even something as simple as a timeout. You know, it actually, on paper you think, well, that, that kind of makes sense and we can see how that works. Well, and part of people who have lived in this kind of challenge of anger in intimate relationships is them actually role-playing with somebody who's safe, like mm -hmm. me, um, and just, well, what do I do when this happens? Well, right. well, what if this happens? Because this usually happens. And it is about role-playing okay. So mm -hmm. how do you reconnect to the timeout? Or how do you understand how you're going to respond? Because there's often a pattern to how you're being pursued. Same old stuff. Yes. And you get triggered, and then stuff gets said. And it really is, so what happens when this happens? Yeah. And often it's just go back to step one and repeat, I think, I feel, I want. Yes. And not go down rabbit trails of logic because mm. they just take you to the same end of frustration. Yeah. yeah. And it's a sense in which anger is not hugely creative. So it does keep going around the same circles. Yeah. Yeah. And you keep doing the same thing and yes. they keep doing the same thing and it's the yeah. same result. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, which makes it tricky. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, I mean, I massively appreciate your insights. And, and, and for, for anyone that's engaging with the sort of five parts of the series, hopefully there's a sort of trajectory of the series from the conceptual and the biblical, uh, you know, and the theoretical right down to today, which becomes very, very practical. So, mm -hmm. so thank you so much for oh, engaging, engaging with pleasure. that. I encourage uh, all of us that are, that are sort of working within this series to think about the various examples we see as waves of us having strategies to, to, to navigate the inevitable sense that we're going to get angry at, in, at something in some way with someone. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I hope you uh, connect with this and find it helpful. And as always, uh, until we see again, may God's grace and peace be with you.